The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. We've been in these spots. Um, we have the experience. We know what team we're playing. The team that's been to this, this game the last five seasons, and they've all been in that stadium. So, to me, they're still the team to beat. And then we're coming for them, but we know it's going to be tough. You know, it's going to be, going to be hard fought and, you know, the kind of players that they have on that side. I mean, every time I walk on that field, I don't, I don't think I'm an underdog, especially when I walk on Arrowhead's field. So, uh, I just go in with the same mindset of we're going to play our best football to win. Uh, we know we're playing a great football team that's beat us the last three times. Um, and so we have to learn from our mistakes in the past and be better um, in order to, to win against a great football team. Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes getting ready for their clash on Sunday to determine one of the two spots in Super Bowl 57, part of what we are going to be getting you ready for today here on PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. Hello to our audience on hey, Peacock, hey. Six M85, Sky Sports NFL podcast, and hello to you, Christopher. I'd like to pick it up where we left off yesterday when we were fighting about <laughs> well, did, did Condoleezza Rice hire sorry. anybody yesterday? Is she, she that just <laughs> that just flared up on our way out the door. I got so many emails from people saying, number one, the kids don't like it when the parents fight. Hey, number right, two, oh, right. why didn't you guys keep that going? Are you going to keep it going today? And the thing is, we never do fake, contrived, bullcrap, no, phony, don't. baloney debates. Right, but. Every once in a while, there is something that happens organically, and we just kind of let it happen, and we never hold a grudge. We never get mad. I mean, as soon as the show was over, we were fine. It was yeah. like we wanted to keep going because it was fun. It was right. compelling. We were right. enjoying ourselves. So anyway, I'm not enjoying myself this morning. I don't know if you've ever done I'm gonna. I'm going to air up? a grievance What's here. What's going on here? I don't get – well, I, I like to have I've – got, I've, got I've got a routine that's developed. Some nights, I'll go down to the barn and work down there have a drink or two, I, I, moderation always, maybe smoke a cigar. Every other night, every third night, I'll have a, a decent – I don't smoke that big giant Churchill thing that takes three hours. Uh, so I'll spend a couple hours down there and just kind of decompress. When I'm at the house, I still copy-paste snarky comment well into the evening hours. But one thing that I will indulge in, I've got a little popcorn machine that my sister-in-law bought me a couple of years ago for my birthday, and right. I, I use it all the time. It's great. Make it with olive oil. You know, they should make all popcorn with olive oil. The problem is it's too expensive, so they go with the cheapest stuff they can find. You make it with olive oil, it's got a different flavor to it. It's really it does. good. It's but, very good. But and and it's been like ten hours since I had the popcorn. A minute before we're going on air, I realized there's a kernel stuck in one of my teeth. How did I not realize that ten hours ago? <laughs> like all of a sudden, I become aware of you know how you get that little piece of yeah, a kernel right. that just gets wedged between the side of your tooth and your gum. But 
why did it just finally announce itself a minute before we're going on air? I ate the damn popcorn 10 hours ago. I guess it took I a little I don't get while. it. I don't know either. I mean, did you brush your teeth last night? I guess that's the first question we got to ask. Yes. Followed by, did you brush did. your teeth this morning? I did. Okay. All right, good. So you got to well, clean up. I didn't eat uh, anything this morning. Oh, so you didn't brush it yeah. yet this morning yet. All right. All right. So there. But I don't no, know. You well, know how sometimes well, that works. First of all, I don't have to worry about my breath because there's nobody else here. <laughs> Secondly, no, I didn't. And I'm always cutting it close in the morning, but you don't need to brush your teeth if you haven't eaten anything. I haven't eaten anything. I, okay. I just woke up. All right. I, that rumor on the street oh, is that's not true. not true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to brush your teeth and you get up because you got bad bacteria in them your mouth. Six hours ago. Okay. All right. I brushed my teeth with one of those, one of those electric oral B brushes yeah. that like it goes 300 yeah. whatever does it per brush or does it like wear so, down your teeth that's the question with those things always i'm like yeah, it does exactly. that it's well <laughs> exactly. it's like it's it's like the thing that when you go to the, the dentist, dentist and they do bzzz, right. that's what it does so yes. i figure it works yeah so i don't have to it's great you just hold it and it does all the work you don't have to do the side to side up and down sand the floor paint the fence you don't have to do any of that yeah it just yeah. does it for you i hear you so my point is well, now I've been shamed. Now I've been shamed into brushing my teeth, even though I haven't eaten anything. <laughs> yeah. So now I got to brush my you. teeth when I get up, and then after the show, after I eat, I got to brush my teeth to kill any bacteria or other deleterious <laughs> items that may be in my mouth. Then, and then after lunch, and then after dinner, and then before bed. God, you spend all your day brushing your damn teeth. Well. You don't have to, like, you can just do the morning. You don't have to go after breakfast. I mean, I, I don't get to brush my teeth after breakfast. I, I do it here at work, so it's it's too late. I just, it's when I wake up in the morning, I'm a, I'm a brush your teeth in the shower guy. Kind of t- kill two birds with one stone. That's, what, that's usually how I work in the morning. Yeah, I know. That's what I do. I've heard of people <laughs> shaving in the shower. Yeah. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So, so. You brush your teeth with hot water from the shower. Well, yeah, I guess. There's I'm trying little, to picture this. Yeah. I don't want to picture too much of it, <laughs> but I'm trying to picture I'm trying to picture Chris Sims in the shower. We've we've tripped onto something here far more interesting than the popcorn kernel wedged in my tooth. I'm kind of glad we went down this path. In the shower. Yes. I Toothpaste well, and your toothbrush. You keep tooth- your toothbrush in I the do. shower. I do. Yeah, it drives my wife crazy. But the toothpaste and the toothbrush, electric one, just like you, is sitting there right on the edge of the shower. Yes, and I go there, and I, I usually in the morning when I'm still waking up, we have a little seat in the shower. I plop my big butt down there, and I brush my teeth as the water's hitting me, and I'm kind of waking up. Seat. That's usually how I do. <laughs> I can't believe we're talking wow. about this. That's a waste of water. That's <laughs> a is. waste of water. It's my it's uh, my guiltiest thing I do as far as you know. Captain Planet is my my showers no. can be a little too no. long. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would say pouring your your water that you use to preheat your coffee mug into the little tiny office trash can that you've resumed doing again is the is the worst thing you do as it relates to consideration toward others, specifically <laughs> yeah. the people Maybe. that deal with the water that you've poured into this little <laughs> office trash can. Um, yeah, anything else? Do you like? Are you like Kramer? Do you cook meals in the shower too? Well, no, no. I, that's all I got. I don't got anything else. Um, Radishes. I, I've told you before. Radishes, I am a sit down and pee at home guy. I mean, you know that, right? I sit on the toilet to pee when well, I'm at well, home. Listen, listen. All right, move on. <laughs> all right. Let's move. You on. asked me if there was anything else. I just wanted to let you know that's another interesting thing about me. Right. <laughs> I'm not ashamed news, of it. Chris Sims sits when he pees. <laughs> Ten minutes in. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I I would be I would be lying if I said I don't do the same. Okay. Thing. So Boom. There we go. I think there's a lot because of men. Let me tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Because otherwise that stuff goes all over the place. Exactly. You got a mess that you got to clean exactly up. Right. That's, that's what exactly right. That's that's what's got me going. Like, exactly. I know what my mom was always upset about when I was a kid because right. when you're like five, your aim isn't very good, especially yeah. when you're pissing in the garbage can yeah. on Saturday morning so you don't want to miss the Saturday cartoon. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it splashes and you hit here and you hit there. And, yeah, it, you, it's much easier to to keep everything where it's supposed to be. If Agree. The, uh, you know, and you get to sit down for a second, target, you know, so. take a second. Yeah, it's, it's good. It yeah. works out. I, I'm yeah. glad. See, we accomplished things. And usually when I admit that to men – Maybe they need a drink in their system, but usually it comes out that they do the same. They'll make fun of me for a second. And they go, you know, actually, when I'm at home, I do the same thing, too. So I don't think there's I think there's more men like us than, than they'd like to admit. 
<laughs> well, and, and I mean, look, in this day and age when everything that we need we're carrying around in our hands, I mean, yeah, you uh it's it's it gives you, you know, 30 seconds to make sure you haven't missed anything right. in your email box, text messages, Twitter, wherever. All right. Well, if you've missed the first 10 minutes of the program, you missed some you good have stuff. Plenty of revelations about both of us. And this is further proof that you and I and I don't know whether this is good yeah, or bad. Right. We can talk about any shit in the world <laughs> for however much time they give us unrelated to football, and it actually doesn't suck. That's what's amazing about it. It's not just like we're talking about doing crossword puzzles or you know, the squirrel we saw running around out in our front yard. We're actually talking about things that I think are fairly entertaining and compelling. The rest of you may disagree but I don't care. All right, let's get to the stuff that we're here for. Yeah, let's do it. AFC Championship game. Bengals have gone to one-point favorites after being one-point underdogs. The most important aspect of all of this is the ankle of Patrick Mahomes. Here he is from yesterday talking to reporters about that injury he suffered just five days ago against the Jaguars. Um, I'm doing good, you know. AFC Championship week, ready to go. How's the ankle? It's doing good, you know. I've had a few days of treatment, a few days of rehab. Uh, excited to get on the practice field and kind of test it out uh, and uh, see where I'm at, but uh, it's feeling good so far. I felt better than I thought I was going to be after the game. I mean, moving on it during the game definitely definitely hurt, um, but uh, after the game, I was able to rest it and kind of ice it up and do different stuff like that. I felt in a little bit better position, and obviously the next morning felt a little bit better, and I've continued to get better throughout the week. And there's video of him walking yeah. off afterward. No walking boot. No no really limp, limp right? Normal movement yeah. of Patrick Mahomes five days after. Superhuman powers. Superhuman recovery. That's what the high-end professional athletes do, unlike the rest of us. I had a low ankle sprain from playing basketball 30-some years ago in law school, and I was in misery the night it happened. I was in misery the next day, and by the day after that, it was fine. It was weird. But that's a low one. The high one's not supposed to no. cover that quickly, right. Chris. No, no. It's it's a brutal one. And, you know, again, I think you're saying it right. This is a phenomenal athlete, you know, that's still young. You know, so his body heals in a hurry. I think that certainly gives him an advantage there. But, I mean, I'm just watching these clips. These are new to me right here. I mean, that's extremely encouraging. You know, I think the biggest thing here, when you talk about it and talk about him, you know, one, hey, you worry about the mechanics of throwing a little bit. I don't think it's going to be a huge issue. But, hey, you know, him pushing off with that back leg, his right leg, uh, that that's encouraging that he can run around and jog like that. I think that's the first thing. And then you get into the game itself and you just go, you know, well, okay. Hey, him moving around the pocket is going to be the biggest thing. Cincinnati, as we talked about earlier in the week, they've done a great job. They did a great job against Josh Allen of keeping him in the pocket. But his ability to move in the pocket and dance and do some of the stuff we saw in that first drive against Jacksonville, that's really the most important part of his movement, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd love for him to be able to get around the corner, run, do all that. But the movement in the pocket is the, is the, the most important thing. And, man, you know, it started on Sunday morning, Mike, when I heard that report and then I heard from a few people – in the league that I know connected to Kansas City and whatever else. And Mahomes, it's not as bad this morning. It wasn't like, ooh, you woke up and he was like, oh, my gosh, because that's what usually happens. And when I heard that, I went, "Uh uh-oh, the man is going to be ready. And he might not be 100%, but he's going to be damn good and good effective enough. I'm trying now to imagine the Sunday morning for Patrick Mahomes. He got up, took a shower, sat down, brushed his teeth in the shower, (laughs) sat down and peed. And as he was moving around his bathroom, he realized, hey, my ankle doesn't hurt good. Exactly. That I thought it would. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, And that really is amazing if that's the case because the pain that he was in, the effort that he was investing in just simply moving around while he was in the game immediately after it happened, the anger he displayed when he went in for an x-ray and even when he came back he wasn't Mahomes if he can be the guy who moves around that changes everything for the Cincinnati defense as it relates to hemming him in instead of keeping him in the pocket because he can still operate very well from the pocket exactly we saw him do it right on on Saturday right when they came back and 
And, uh, well, they didn't come back, but you know what I mean, when he came back. Yes. We're winning when he came back, and he kept it going, and he won the game. But if he can throw in the Patrick Mahomes hair on fire running around and making things happen, if you add that to it, then all of a sudden the Bengals have a bigger problem than we thought they were going to have. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's the big thing. And, and like, you know, like we saw, too, uh, maybe early in his career he might have relied more on – his ability to get outside the pocket, turn the corner, attack the line of scrimmage. Oh, wait, you're coming to get me. Then I throw it. Oh, you drop back to cover. Then I run it. But he's not that way. That's where I almost, you know, the way he played this year, Mike, going on a subject we hit on a lot during the season, I, I think this is, you know, it's almost a gift that way uh, in the fact that he was awesome within the pocket this year. We, we, we dissected that a lot, right, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays when we showed tape and the Chiefs and everything. He was great in that department. And like I said, and like you were just saying there, you know, when you watch those first drive or two in that Jacksonville game, it wasn't run out of the pocket and do that. It was more of the moving in the pocket and jumping up and doing. And that's where he makes a lot of his magic. And, and of course, he's gotten better at that. So that, that's, that's encouraging, and that's why – Hey, this game has got so many good storylines, and uh, I can't wait to watch it, but especially because of these quarterbacks and kind of the storyline within the storyline there, I think maybe is the most intriguing thing about the matchup altogether, this Mahomes-Burrow conversation that's going on right now. Well, let's focus more on when the Chiefs have the ball yeah. with Pivot because Lou Anaromo was on with McAfee yesterday. And he, he obviously the defensive coordinator of the Bengals who continues to get overlooked for any I don't get it. vacancies, which yeah. is becoming awkward and odd and strange. Here's Anarumo talking about how they prepare for the awkward and odd and strange pre-snap things that they'll see from the Kansas City Chiefs potentially on Sunday. You know, I think we got to take care of the core stuff that they do first and, and just know, you know, we've got a set of rules um, and then Whatever we kind of know they're going to do, we got to kind of nail that and make sure we put that to bed. And then whatever is different, whatever they come up with that they're going to do, that's why we have rules, and the rules handle all that. And um, Now, the ring around the rosy thing, I, you know, <laughs> they start going in circles. I'll tell our guys, just wait, something's going to come out of it, and let's just cover Kelsey. How's that say? And that pre-snap stuff and all those things they do, it's fun for them. It's not showboating. There's a fine line between showboating, you know, in a way that sticks your opponent's face in it and just having fun. They like to have fun. That's what Coach Reed explained to you last week in the piece yeah. that we had on our pregame show. Right. They're just having fun. They're making it fun, and they're showing people what you can do within the confines of the rules to have a little fun and do things a little bit differently. That, that's right. It, they're, they're a team that enjoys the sport. And the coaches empowered them because he knows how hard they work and how much they love the sport. And, like, you know, it's one of those places when you're there, like I told you at dinner on Friday night. And it's, it's, they, were, they were working hard as hell and flying around the field, and they all had smiles on their face. And coaches were yelling at them and do it better and do it faster, and they were just smiling and loving it. So that's given Randy Reed, you know, the the confidence to trust in his players. Let alone, hey, it's not just about fun. It's effective. It's hard to score touchdowns on the 5-yard line in the NFL now. There's four freaky defensive linemen and the linebackers and safeties are all great. So you can't just go, "Oh, we're going to run it up the middle like it's 1987 anymore." You can't do that. So you got to find different ways to do it and that's where you know they're 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 a, you know another pain in the butt for you. It's their offense in the middle of the field, and then you get down in the five and the eight yard line, and you got to worry about a whole new list of plays. And uh, that's where Kansas City become very excited and a pain in the butt to prepare for for Luana Rumo. And his point, no matter what they do, ring around the rosy or whatever, just let's cover Kelsey. Yeah. Coverage was the key last year. They used eight or more defenders in coverage on multiple occasions during the AFC Championship game last year. Patrick Mahomes was 7 for 13, 59 yards, an interception, and two sacks when there were guys flooding the zones, covering the receivers, making Patrick Mahomes work to find someone open. That's the key. If you can pull that off, courtesy of Next Gen Stats there, passing EPA minus 14.4. I'd be lying if I told you I knew exactly what that was, but anytime it's minus, it's not good. Uh, there are there are some contexts where minus is good. I think in this one it ain't. So uh, 
do we think we're going to see some of that same stuff? I mean, see, this is where the cat and mouse game comes into play because what do the Chiefs expect versus what are the Bengals going to do? And if the Chiefs expect one thing and the Bengals do something else that's effective and the Chiefs aren't ready for it, then that becomes more effective than what they did last year that was effective. Sure, sure. Uh, well, you know, I think the thing is when you prepare for the Cincinnati Bengals and, and you see here, I mean, they run every defense in the world. That's kind of the greatness of what Lou Anarumo is doing right now. You know, usually, like we talked about last year during this time, you rush, you rush three, you drop eight. Teams usually just play cover three or Tampa two with an extra guy kind of floating around. They were playing all coverages. You know, like you're seeing here, it's man to man with a spy and then another guy looking up crossers, and they got two guys looking up crossers. So they they had tons of people flooding the area, and they never let the quarterback feel comfortable. It's what they did to Josh Allen too last week. You never can get in a rhythm against Lou Anaruma unless you can run the ball a little bit, and then you can kind of simplify him a little. But if you're just dropping back and throwing and he gets you in a game like the AFC Championship game or Buffalo last week, and he goes, wait, it's th- passing four out of five times, well, you- you're not going to get in a rhythm or a feel for what he does. And that's the tough thing about him. But that's what's different about Kansas City than Buffalo – or Kansas City the last three times, Mike. We saw. They don't it doesn't have to be Mahomes magic with this team anymore. They can run the ball. They can do that. They're a pretty good screen team too. And I think they're gonna have to rely on some of that stuff to maybe get Lou Anaruma out of some of those defenses to then where they can get back to some of their basic offensive plays and have that be effective. At least that's, you know, one of my thoughts or things I'll be looking for on Sunday. The uh and the reality is they're going to have to be ready for Mahomes who can still run around all over the place and make things happen and buy time with his legs and throw that cross-body pass sure. while he's sprinting hard right. to his left versus the guy who's in the pocket. Like, whatever it is, they need to adapt and adjust continuously throughout the game. And Anarumu's got to be ready for everything, and that defense has to be ready for everything. And I could see them just on the fly – we got to do this. We got to do that. He's moving well today. Let's do this. Oh, he's not moving very well. Let's keep doing that. And, and yeah, uh, that's, it, that's why he's it's, really good. It's going to be one play at a time, one snap at a time. And, you know, we're talking about last year's AFC championship game as if the Bengals came out and beat the crap out of them. It still was 21 to three. No. It wasn't working no. early. I, and the I good know. news is for the Bengals, they didn't, they didn't freak out. They didn't get desperate. They didn't give up. They kept their their heads about right. themselves and they kept doing what they were supposed to do and it eventually worked out the offense eventually did their part and at the end of the day mission accomplished we scored more points than the other that that's right I and mean, these games have been razor thin the regular season matchup last year i mean it was 34 31 it came down to the wire you know you said the afc championship game we know it went in overtime this year 27 24 kansas city's in control of the game they're kind of driving kelsey fumbles so, you know, Kansas City's going to be able to sell to themselves that, hey, we messed some things up here. We could have won these games if we didn't do this and this. And, of course, they're a championship-caliber type of football team. They're still kings of the AFC, you know, and at least in my opinion. I'm not ready to call Cincinnati the king yet. They're, they're knocking on the door, and they're trying to be. Uh, but that's where I think this game is going to get chippy and personal. Uh, but, but you're right about this Bengals defense. I mean, again – you know, the other thing is Kansas City, of course, a way better pass-protecting offensive line than Buffalo. So that's another element as well. And the Pacheco influence is real. And they had tr- trouble stopping the run game a little bit in the first matchup earlier this year. And also those screens were effective. You know, but yeah, it was their meat and potatoes drop-back pass offense that never really took off if you really watch the Week 13 football game. And that's where Lou Anarumo's got a beat on the Chiefs and their offense there. And that's where it's going to be on Andy Reid and Biennemi to, I think, come up with a few plays of like, hey, he thinks we're going to zig, so we got to zag a little bit. You know, but there, there's nothing they don't. Mike, they got plays in that last game. They're playing cover three. It's three-man rush. And then seven guys are playing cover three. And then they got one guy playing man-to-man on Travis Kelsey. So they really got it all. And that's where they've been problematic for – uh, the Chiefs. And, and back to your original point, Mike, I don't freaking get it. I really don't. Lu- the Lou Anarumo thing to me almost seems a little bit like the Eric Bieniemy thing. Like he's a little too much of a coach 
it's a little too real, and he's going to tell you too many real answers, and it's not always political, hey, make the owner feel good. And I, I feel like that's the reason you know guys like him and Wink Martindale and Eric Bieniemy aren't getting a fair shake because they're just not political BSers. And you know I, I hate that aspect of it because uh, you know, I think they got a lot of potential to be special if they were head coaches. Kind of like what happened with Mike Zimmer, why he had to wait so long to become exactly. a head coach. He would go in there, tell it like it is, right. piss everybody off, and they wouldn't hire him. But at least Bieniemy gets interviews. Wink Martindale getting an interview. Finally, no yeah. interview. For Puh. Anarumo. That's Nothing. stupid. Stupid. Name doesn't even come up. Puh. It and and it, it almost reminds me of what happened with Frank Reich five years ago, where his name didn't even come up as a potential head coaching candidate until Josh McDaniels jilted the Colts, left them at the altar, and then right. the Colts had to scramble and they they discovered Reich, who they hadn't even interviewed during the weeks before the Super Bowl, but the Eagles had that great offensive game plan against the Patriots and won in the shootout to to get the Super Bowl championship with Nick Foles at quarterback. All of a sudden, hey, maybe Frank Reich is a pretty good coach. You know, I say all the time, the awards, and we're going to talk later in the show about the finalists that were announced yesterday. That's the first time the NFL has done that. The awards that come out the night before the Super Bowl are all based on regular season only. Yeah. Feels like the coaching searches are based on regular season only, and everybody ignores the stuff that these teams do yeah, you're right. when it counts right. the most. Right. Why aren't you revising your list of potential candidates as you see an impressive performance in a high-pressure game? Why aren't you saying, well, you know what? We're going to pause everything here until we get an opportunity to talk to Lou Anaroma. We haven't done it yet. We're going to wait until after Sunday. If the Bengals lose, we're going to talk to them. If they make it to the Super Bowl, we'll wait until after the Super Bowl to make a hire. Why rush it if the best guy for the job is out there and we haven't spoken to him yet? It really is amazing to me. You're talking about the guy who is the football CEO of a multi-billion dollar business, and you're going to rush to make the decision because of what? Because of why? It makes no sense, Chris. No, it doesn't. And then like what you said, not the regular season results are good. And then you go into it and you go, oh, wait. Oh, oh this is the guy that stopped Derrick Henry and the Titans? Oh, stop Patrick Mahomes? Right? Had Sean McVay and Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford, I mean, sweating it out and having to fight for their lives to pull out a Super Bowl win? And then here we go again, part two? I mean, it's just I don't I don't understand it. Sometimes it's that's where it's, it's again that's where the the coaching thing becomes annoying, and I know it becomes annoying to coaches like Lou Anaruma because it becomes about politics and BS and having to sell yourself. And real football coaches don't want to do that. They're not those kind of people. Uh, so that that's where I feel for them. And hopefully someone will open their eyes or get in the ear of an owner and go, Hey, you know the guy that's like you know knocking on the door of like having. Uh, the best playoff defense the last few years. How about we hire him and the, the you know his ability to come up with game plan specific attacks on the defensive side of the ball? Very special. We haven't seen anybody do this to the Chiefs in five years. That's where the game is awesome. We haven't seen any. We know the Patriots gave them a, a tussle early on, sure, and the early on in the Mahomes era. But it's been the Mahomes Chiefs era here for the last five years, and now we're seeing a team here that whoa they got answers and. I mean, Mahomes is only thrown for 223 yards in week 13 and only 16 completions, and we haven't seen a team do this like this consistently. And then they got a quarterback on the other side that we're all going, wait, Mahomes has been the guy, but I don't know. Is Burrow maybe the guy? Which is a fair conversation. I get that. I mean, Mahomes is still the man in totality, in my opinion, but Burrow is knocking at the door, um, you know, and, and certainly in that conversation. From the moment that we saw Patrick Mahomes walking off of the the little stage they set up for the press conference, yeah. and we talked about how he's moving fine. We saw the video. I start thinking, maybe, maybe I'm going to abandon what I said on Monday. Oh, no, 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 no. You're but, going but, with the kitty but, cats. But, You're going with the Bengals. <laughs> but, but. Now we talk about when the Bengals have the ball. That's when it's going to come <laughs> right. back. I mean, between yeah. what the defense can do, and oh, by the way, no Tyree Kill to worry about this year in the AFC Championship. Well, I mean, they did all that stuff last year to neutralize that team with Tyree Kill. This year, there's no one on that team 
that is going to make you say, "Holy crap, he can run right by us." That that before we switch over, let's let's talk about that real quick because I missed. I wanted to say that, and and because you're right, Mike, that's a hundred percent a great point. And one of those things that I kind of talked about on my podcast yesterday that I noticed when I went back and watched the Week 13 game, you know, the non Tyreek Hill factor emboldened the Bengals defense a little bit more than the two games last year, right? Where there was a few plays where I went, oh, they're just playing to stop like the 10 and 12-yard intermediate pass, right? There's some plays where I go through in some passing situations and I go, you look at this. The Bengals safeties are playing 10 yards deep, 9 yards deep against the Chiefs because they were just looking for the crossers and Kelsey or Juju Smith-Schuster in the middle, right, Mike? I do think that's an aspect of the game. He hit two big passes to Marquez Valdez-Scanling in week three because they were basically just going, we dare you. And I think it's really one of the worst things the Chiefs do is throw the ball deep. It's because it's like everybody took away the deep pass, and they were so good at it early in the career, they don't get to do it anymore, and they're not as good at it. And I, I do think that's an element of the game of them finding a few shots to back the Bengals off a little bit to open up some of the, again, the meat and potatoes part of their intermediate short passing game, or it's going to be tough sledding because they're going to condense the field. But who would you trust to do that, though? Who do they have that you can rely upon to run past guys, right. get open, stay open, make the catch? Yeah. yeah. Now, and, and again... They've been great without Tyree Kill yes. in totality, but for a game like this, exactly. and you really need that guy right. to to compliment Travis Kelsey because they're just going to swarm Travis Kelsey. Like you are saying earlier, put yeah. a guy on Kelsey and play zone. Otherwise, you can maybe neutralize Kelsey. You have Tyree Kill in the mix, harder to do. Without Tyree Kill, easier for the defense to do what it needs to do. So another reason. I'm feeling better about my pick from Monday. See, I can't, I can't, hey, I made the pick Monday. What no, can I it's say? All right. It's not my fault. The I game's the so awesome. I, already picked the, I pre-picked the Bengals. <laughs> yeah. The game, I almost wish we couldn't, I almost wish we could just enjoy this one without picking anyone. I, I hear you. I hear you. It's, it's one of those where I don't think I'll be disappointed with, you know, whoever wins and whoever loses. It's going to be good. We're going to get a, two teams that got, you know, supreme confidence and, and really believe, you know, that they're, they're the team. Uh, I think that's what's awesome. And, and Mike, you're, the question, you're, you know, Valdez Scantling is a guy that they could use to go deep. The other guy that was not a part of the first matchup that makes him a little different is number 19, Kadarius Toney. Him being a part of the offense, and I think them having a role for him is going to be another element that Cincinnati didn't have to deal with, at least the first time around. So yeah, we'll see where that goes. But the one thing that's different about Kansas City, and they were just kind of starting that in week 13, it is a real run game this year. Uh, it is the first time Cincinnati's not going to have to go, wait, it's second and seven. Usually that's Mahomes drop back and throw, but not this year. We actually might have to play a run defense because they might smash it up the middle with Pacheco. And I do think that favors you know Kansas City a little bit to give them another element to attack Lou Anarumo in that Bengals defense. Bengals have a guy who can smash it up the middle and Joe Mixon. Mm-hmm. He had a solid game against the Bills on Sunday. One of the things that needed to happen for the Bengals to go in there and do what they did to the Buffalo Bills. So when they have the ball, yeah. let's focus on the Week 13 game between the two teams when the Bengals got their third win of calendar year 2022 over Kansas City. What stood out to you from the Kansas City defense trying in vain to bottle up the Cincinnati offense? Yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's a tough task. We know that. I think the first thing we start off with, Mike, is like, you know, again, the offensive line, right? I mean, you know, you you heard me uh, on 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 previous weeks on Football Night in America. I made comments like, I think the Bengals are the most complete team in the AFC, and and all of that. But I mean, we saw the last game of the regular season. We saw the wild card round against Baltimore, where the offensive line looked like crap. They couldn't open up in a hole, and they couldn't protect Joe Burrow at all. You know, then last week. You know, they were really damn good. And again, I think some of that's Buffalo lacks, you know, the blue chip players that we discussed so much on Monday and Tuesday. You know, but I guess that's the first thing. And I even ask you with your pasta and meatballs, what do you think? Do you think we're going to see another offensive line performance like that where they're going to open up five-foot holes for Joe Mixon and he's going to be ripping up the middle for 10 yards every time he touches the ball? Well, like you said, uh, it's a different D line here. Different, 
It's a different defensive line. They got Chris Jones. Exactly. They got Chris Jones in Kansas City. And they got Frank Clark in Kansas City. And, uh, you know, the Bills... The Bills weren't as suited as the Chiefs are to take advantage of the fact that 60% of the starting offensive line is gone. Yeah, you're right, right? I think, I think that's too. That's kind of how I feel too. I don't think it's going to be you know, as easy at least. I don't expect it to be. There's more size on the, the Chiefs' D-line, and they got a few guys that can go above and beyond like we talk about. And I think Chris Jones and Frank Clark, they're, you know, Chris Jones is the best defensive tackle in football. Frank Clark can make plays. Carl Laftis makes plays. You know, so that that's the interesting part. But here's one of my things, Mike, and, and the interesting part. Well, we know Burrow and the weapons are awesome, too. We do. And one of the things that has jumped out to me when I go back and watch the Bengals-Chiefs last few matchups, a little is just that I think the formula has been too simple for Joe, Joe Burrow. That would be the first thing that makes sense to me. And, and guys, I know we have the tape, so let's, let's play that here. Like, and, and, and don't start it yet. If you could pause it just for a second and rewind it, and let's restart it one more time. But, Mike, here's one thing. I just want to explain it before we let the tape roll. The Chiefs, especially early in the year, even in week 13, they were still in this where it was like, hey, we're either going to blitz or we're going to disguise and make it look like a blitz, and then we're going to end up in some form of cover two. And, hey, it was working, and they're good, and they're talented, and they're good at their disguises. That's all good. But I don't, it's not going to work against the elite, kind of like you were talking about like in the most important time of the year you know, with the good defenses. It's not going to do it against Joe Burrow or Josh Allen or the top quarterbacks in football because they can get to the and go, okay, wait, I have enough clues or this is the blitz. Oh, wait, this is not the blitz, and they're going to drop out and play their cover too. And that's all you had to worry about was like, hey, Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow, we just got to have our blitz plays and our cover two plays. And it should really kind of work about all their versions of cover two. And here's a play to explain that here, guys. So here he goes, Mike. See, the safety's down, right? And you can play the tape when you guys are ready. He's in a dummy snap count. He sees the safety kind of creep back. He gets to the play he wants to. And, you know, really with all cover two plays, whether it's four deep or or cover two, all the plays kind of work over. I want to see them do more of this, Mike. And again, can we rewind this just at the start of this play, if you don't mind? Look at this is, to me, they're down 14-3. to three. And they had a, They finally realized, wait, we can't just play cover two. Burrow's going to pick us apart, and we're going to die a slow death. So now they're down 14-3, to three and they started to go, we got to force the issue and complicate things a little bit. So here you see this look, right, Mike? People at the line of scrimmage, I don't know who's blitzing, who's going. They're going to end up doubling chase at the, end, at the top of the screen, and then they're going to leave some people man-to-man. But you got to take a few calculated risks, just like when you play Mahomes. I think the same thing happens here with Burrow. And you see here, they don't blitz anybody, right? But they confuse the offensive line a little bit. Now we got a guy coming around the edge, and Burrow's like, oh, wait, I don't know what coverage this is. And, of course, it adds to, you know, some pause and, and some reluctance of what's going on and stops the machine from rolling. That is a big aspect to me that the Chiefs have to do more of that than just that simple formula I explained on that first play. Yeah, I mean, Jamar Chase is the key. You have to find a way to contain him Definitely. and not have T. Higgins and Tyler Board kill you. And also Hayden Hurst. Exactly. Tight end had a big game on Sunday against the Bills. You account for the three receivers. Hayden Hurst can still make things happen. I remember last year when they let C.J. Uzama go, like, oh, he's a pretty big weapon for that team. Then in comes Hayden Hurst, and man, he had a very important and significant game on he Sunday did. against the Bills, and he could be a big part of but, that passing game as well. So yeah. The Chiefs are going to have their hands full. Right. They, they really are. They are. You're and, right. And we know that. We're not yeah. surprised by that, that this Bengals team is going to put anyone in a position where they're going to have their hands full defensively. Definitely. Even with those injuries to the offensive line. Th- that, that's right. That, it's going to take a, a special game plan. Now, the thing that's encouraging is the Chiefs have started, really almost from that point of the season on, started to do more and more on the defensive side of the ball. I think they started to trust their young guys a little more to where they started to get into a little bit more exotic, different coverages. I think you got to do some of that. Listen, you're going to do some of that? Burrow's going to make, they're going to make a few plays too. And, and, you know, don't get it messed up. But, but so what? It also got them off the field a few times in that last football game because – As we saw last week, 
Burrow is the best zone quarterback in football. If you play zone, you're screwed. If he has protection, he's going to manipulate it. And as soon as one guy's just a hair out of their zone, it's boom. Oh, it's boom. And then it's boom. Oh, wait, I'm looking at that guy. Oh, boom. And now I got a 30-yard gain down the middle. He's amazing that way. So they got the guys that can play man-to-man from time to time. You don't want to live in that. But they, like, like you talked about with Lou Anarumo, they got to change the looks up on Burrow. He can't be so comfortable where he just goes, oh, it's a cover two game. Okay, hey, Zach, let's get to all the cover two plays, and we'll start dissecting them that way. you, you got to change the recipe you know, on a consistent basis to mess with Burrow in this offense. Before we close the books on the AFC Championship game, we have a three-item grab bag that we need to get to because Ooh. somebody took the trouble to put these topics together. So let's go ahead and supply answers to these propositions. Fill in the blank. The biggest difference between the Chiefs that lost to the Bengals in Week 13 and the Chiefs now is what, Chris? Ooh. I, I'm going to say that run. there's a real – the run game. You know, I do what you – know, you heard me say the defense has expa- expanded a little bit. But I think this, the, the big thing is the fact that it's, it's a legit run game where you know, they can consistently do it and they can lean on it to, to win football games. So that would be the, the biggest difference for me. I, look, I mean, the, the most obvious difference is you got Patrick Mahomes banged up and yeah. you don't know what he's right. going to be. Right. You don't know what he's going to do, and that takes away from the team. Another Another thing that I want to point to, though, and we didn't see much from him late in the regular season. I'm looking to see what he did in the postseason. I don't have the numbers here. Who's that? But Jarek McKinnon, yeah. the, week after the, the, the week after the loss to the Bengals, he had 112 yards receiving, 51, or not 51, 22 yards rushing. He had that long touchdown. He had two touchdowns total in the game. He ended the season with nine receiving touchdowns, and I'm doing the count here. Since the Bengals game, yeah. he had receiving touchdowns. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight of them. Eight of his nine receiving touchdowns since the loss to the Bengals. So... They better take Jarek McKinnon seriously. Not that he's going to be the guy who runs by you, yeah. but that's a guy playing at a level that wasn't there. He was part of the Chiefs last year, but not to this same level yeah, where right. he's a guy you have to take seriously as a part of the passing game playing running back. And it's, it's just been great to see. Oh, and by the way, uh, that, that blitz pickup he had. Yeah, the Jaguars. He, that's why I can't he's back who it there. Was he put on his ass? Right. He put a he put a bigger, stronger, faster guy. Not necessarily faster, but a bigger, stronger guy on his ass in blitz pickup last week. Yeah, I I, mean, I think he's I, Mike. I like what your where your brain is there. I, I think he's got to have a role in the game. You know, one like screen game, like we talked about for the times when the Bengals do want to play, you know, deep coverages and take away the play. That's going to be huge. Hey, the ba- the Chiefs. They might have to be willing to run the ball on third and four, third and three a few times. You're going to play three, you know, th- three man rush and drop all these guys, right, Mike? You know, sometimes, hey, the best play is, hey, we got a huge gap right here, and we should be able to block it and get four, five, six, eight yards running the ball. I, I that, that's definitely got to be, you know, on their mind a little bit of losing to have all these guys backing out trying to cover everything. Uh, so I, I like what you, where your head's at right there. He's a hell of a player. Him and Pacheco is a great tandem. Reminds me of Super Bowl 36, Bill Belichick daring Mike Martz to run the ball with Marshall Falk. Yeah, yeah. He didn't. He didn't. He was stubborn. Right. He refused to break from what he wanted to do, refused to take what the defense was giving him. That's the key. That's the simplicity. You look at those, and I wish we could watch games live in all 22 because, man, it would be so much more illuminating as to what's happening if you could see the whole field. And I look forward to the day when one of the options available on the streaming platforms is to watch the all 22, an all 22 camera instead of that close up where you really don't see what's going on beyond the line of scrimmage. But it's, it's, it, that's what's fascinating. What is the defense giving you? Take what the defense is giving you. And uh, that that could be the key for the Chiefs offense, even if it doesn't mean throwing the ball. All right, take your pick. Key matchup to watch in the Chiefs-Bengals game is what? Well, I, I think the, 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 the other thing that jumped out to me a little bit in that first matchup was Chris Jones was not seen or heard from in the football game, right? I, I came away in week 13 when I did my podcast after that when Alex Kappa is really maybe the only guard I've seen that can just go, wait, I got Chris Jones and – I don't need help, and I can handle it. All right, well, Alex Kappa's not there. 
And now you got, you know, backups there and Sharping and, and, and the rookie Volson, right? So I'm interested to see how that goes there as far as that matchup. I think that's another part of the game that's going to be key. You know, we talked about it earlier. The Chiefs D line is better than the Buffalo Bills O line. They got some real playmakers. And I think Chris Jones has got to make a few plays in this football game if the Chiefs want to win. I think the the Chiefs secondary has got to figure out how to deal with those weapons in the passing game yeah. collectively. Right. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Hayden Hurst, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. How are you going to, to guess right, guess wrong, what's going to happen? And they're going to get their yards. They're going to get their points. The question is, can you hold them down? Can you keep them from scoring so many points that the Chiefs offense is unable to yeah, answer be and Mike. ultimately exceed? That value. All right, buy or sell. Patrick Mahomes' legacy takes a hit if he loses to the Bengals for the fourth straight time. You well, buying or selling well, that one? I mean, I'm going to sell that. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't change my view of him and, in my opinion, a legacy. He's already an all-time great. I mean, he's a legend. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. That, that's how I look at it. Now, it, this is a good one. I mean, yeah, if they lose this game, is. Does Burrow become the new king of the AFC, even though he's yet to win a Super Bowl or win an MVP? You know, that, that's where I, I hear some people saying that, you know, when I'm watching other sports shows, that if Burrow wins this, he's now him. He's the new it, right? And I want to go, well, listen, I, I know he's in the conversation, but I'm not just ready to throw aside the guy that's thrown 50 touchdown passes, you know, has reinvented how we look at the position, has been in five straight AFC championships, has been in two Super Bowls and won one of them, and made many other magical moments. I don't know if that just automatically I say, boom, he's he's better in totality than Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, what, what say you? I think that the reason we have yet to fully embrace Joe Burrow is because the Bengals had been bad or not great for so long. The Chiefs had a tradition of winning. Yeah. So, you know, they they were a playoff team with Alex Smith. Alex Smith had taken the team as far as he could. They made that all-in move. And other teams out there that are about as far as they can go with their current mid-level quarterbacks would be wise to be exploring that next-level guy. Uh, One team that wears purple helmets, for example. But but I, I... I digress. The it's just we're, we're we're having a harder time processing. Just like we said last year, you can't look at that orange helmet with the black stripes and think that that's a helmet worn by a good team. We're not used to that, and I think that's just part of it. People are coming to terms with the fact that this guy that looks like grown up Macaulay Culkin should have looked. That this guy that that doesn't seem to be, you know, he's kind of gangly, you know. He just and and he just it. There's a disconnect between how he looks and how he plays, and I I think we're just coming to terms with that. And it takes one win after another against the Chiefs to get it there. So I agree with you. I don't think it affects the Mahomes legacy. If he loses, this is about Joe Burrow has arrived, yeah, and this is right. that new Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. We're constantly looking for it. I think we've found it. I think it's not Josh Allen. Yeah, maybe it's Patrick not Mahomes. I think it's Joe Burrow. Patrick Mahomes, win or lose Mahomes on Sunday. If he wins, hey, he's finally got a win over Burrow. If he loses, man, Patrick Mahomes can beat everyone, but his kryptonite is Joey B. Yeah, I, I hear you. It's, 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 that's, that's what makes it amazing. Burrow has arrived. There's no question. I mean, he's in that conversation you know, with all those guys. He's without a doubt one of the three best quarterbacks in football for my money. I mean, there's, just, there's nothing he can't do. You know, He might not be the best at one thing, but he's really good at everything and has no weakness at all. And I think that's what makes Burrow amazing. It really is. And, and you know, again, can, can play the position in the pocket and dissect you that way with just the, enough of the playmaking flair and the ability to run and throw the ball on the run, that's, that's really special. It might not be as good as Mahomes or Allen in that department, but it's still really special. And, and then has a belief and a leadership that is just – you know, through the roof, and then has a, you know, a an understanding of how to play for his team that I think is is really interesting. He's just going to play to win the game. He's not always going to play to, oh, I'm going to make the most highlights or make the best plays that way. 
And that's where you know he's wise beyond his years there, or uh, whoever the hell that saying is. But he's damn good. I know that. And that's right. You yeah, know, yeah, it's right. it's amazing though. I mean, you're you right. We thought it. we thought Allen and Mahomes was going to be the Brady Manning thing. And it, listen, it's been great. I mean, Allen's beat Mahomes two out of the last three times they played. You know, but Burrow, yes, is amazing in the fact that he hasn't lost yet. And we're looking at Mahomes for the first time, going. You got to beat that guy for it to become a rivalry. You haven't done that yet, and that's where it's a little funny. Well, I was talking about this yesterday with our friend Paul Allen, the difference between Burrow and Mahomes, and I said Mahomes is the guy who runs around through the minefield and somehow never steps on the mine. <laughs> right. Joe Burrow is the guy who just kind of breezes through the minefield. He knows exactly where they are, and he never gets close to them. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, a good that's way to the say difference. It. Right? Yeah. That Burrow operates within a tighter window of things he can do, but he does them incredibly well. Whereas Mahomes is all over the place, and it's awesome and fun to watch. Yes, but they're both fun to watch. Right? There's more showmanship from Mahomes. That's right. But Burrow. If you really love other, the position and the attractive. traditional way it's played and all that and being an assassin and a sniper and just surgicality in the pocket and all that, yeah, that Burroughs, he's, he's, he's the guy that you go like, oh, hey, you know, hey, young kid, watch him in the pocket. Watch his mechanics. Look how he keeps two hands on the ball. You know, look how he doesn't take a chance here and just goes, hey, let me get the completion and make it second and six. That, that's where, you know, he's got maybe more – by-the-book teaching tool type of stuff as far as quarterbacks concerned, let alone, like you're saying, he's got some showmanship too. It just might not be like Patrick Mahomes. We'll take a break. When we return, we'll do basically the same thing for the NFC Championship. Sorry, Eagles fans, 49ers fans, we're not ignoring the game. You get your own segment, and we're going to focus on it next here on this Thursday edition of PFT Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brock Purdy versus Jalen Hurts. They had a great game against each other. 42-41 was the final when Purdy was at (laughs) Iowa State and Hurts was at Oklahoma. That was 2019. I don't think quite as many points are going to be scored in this one thanks to the fact that these are not Big 12. Big 12 defenses, Mike. You know it. An aficionado (laughs) of the Big 12. One of the biggest fans out there of the Big 12. The Big 12's (laughs) biggest fan. Yeah, right. Defense, defense, defense. Yeah, well, I I put a... It's arena football. (laughs) Right. Big 12. Yeah. I put a little tasteless tweet out. I was at that game. Hey. Yeah. uh, Well, I was at that game... Uh, it's been 10 years now, Baylor, West Virginia. I think the final score was 132 to 128. <laughs> yeah, and right. it's just nonstop up and down right. the field. Like it's just touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. It gets to a point where it's like basketball, where it's no fun. I, I agree. That's one of the reasons I don't really like basketball because it's just it's back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And as my dad told me when I was very young, if you watch anything more than the last four minutes, you're wasting your time. I don't want football to feel that way, and it won't feel that way. On Sunday night. And it occurred to me, too, before we get into the nuts and bolts of 49ers-Eagles. Yeah. That's the late game. The Bengals-Chiefs game feels too big to be on at 3 in the afternoon. I really do think the NFL needs to consider what – and this is what they would do if you ever had the Rams and Chargers hosting 
AFC uh, the conference championships or the Jets and Giants doing it, which it's probably more likely Rams Chargers because we know the Jets are never going to be doing it. Hell, uh, but 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 Sunday night, Monday night. Why not do Sunday night, Monday night? Everybody's got 13 days to get ready for the Super Bowl. Why aren't we making these big top prime time, big moment, get everyone together and let's go all in for one game one day, focus only on that game. And then the next day we go all in and focus only on that. I bet they'll do it if they ever make them neutral site. I bet that's when they'll do it. They should do it now, but I think it'll, it'll finally arrive when they embrace neutral site, which I, I fear they will. And most people disagree with it, but it doesn't matter what we think they're going to do it. But what do you think about Sunday night, Monday night? These two games feel big enough. They should have their own day. I mean, they, they are big enough. They are, you know, again, I, you know, yeah, there's the competitive advantage thing that's out the window because you have the week off. I, I don't know, Mike. Again, this is where I'm a little bit of a traditionalist, right? I like that uh, it's a Sunday, you know, two games, you know, back-to-back to, back to go to the Super Bowl. I, I do love that aspect of it. I do. Uh, you know, again, I don't know. Monday, you get into work weeks and people having to work on Tuesday. I don't, I don't know. I guess I, I, I'm just a traditionalist. I guess that's my big thing, you know, and, and that's where it, it's hard because you're right. Either one of these games should be prime time. They're big-time football games. I can't really argue that one should overtake the other. It's hard to say, oh, the Eagles and 49ers, even though their organizations are amazing and they had the bigger markets, damn, it's Burrow versus Mahomes. Uh, so that that's still a pretty marquee thing. But I wouldn't be shocked if it went the way you're talking about here in the, in the near future at some point. Yeah, if you're a true traditionalist, the games would be played at one and four. Yeah, we were. I, I was. Uh, I was checking that the other day. Would you remember when that changed? When they went from one and four to three? Do you remember what year it was? I actually looked it up yesterday. I, I my my guess, wild guess, yeah, would be 2004. Oh, you're you're close. It was 2002. It was the year um, Bucks Eagles and then Titans Raiders. Uh, but we were looking at the we were looking at this yesterday, and I I was I thought maybe it was. You know, even earlier than that, I was I was shocked it was that late. But uh, yeah, either way, it's, I like this formula. It is good. I like the uh, little appetite going, and then okay, it's getting close three o'clock Eastern. We got to get ready for some big time football. Uh, there's just I can't wait for Sunday. I really can't. It would be great though when you think about it to have yeah. the rest of the night to kind of focus on what happened in one game break it down the next day while also getting everybody ready for the other one. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, it's just, it's, you. it's you, one of the games gets lost in the shuffle potentially. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. If the, especially if the second game ends up being exciting or controversial, like Ram saints a few years ago, that takes over the whole day. Yeah. And the other game is just kind of the afterthought. Yeah, there's a certain element of showmanship. The NFL needs to further infuse into the sport. And one way to do it would be give these two games their own separate day. All right. 49ers Eagles get their own separate segment here when the Eagles have the ball let's focus on that now the good news is Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown were not on the injury report so they are good to go Jalen Hurts says I I've felt better but I have to get it done and we saw he did get it done on Saturday night even though he's got that lingering shoulder injury how concerned are you about Hurts against this defense because Hey, he got he got injured when somebody fell on him hard when he was taking on the Bears a few weeks back. This 49ers defense got some big, strong dudes that could uh, not intentionally, yeah, like we saw 13 years ago yesterday when it was Saints Vikings, but just inadvertently, if they get a clean opportunity to tackle Jalen Hurts, they could aggravate that shoulder injury. Yeah, they're they're big, they're fast, they're physical, like you're talking about, and. You know, you're a quarterback like Jalen Hurts. You run, you get stuck in some tough positions as you're getting tackled, and that's when you, you get worried. You know, he's going to have to well, at least keep that in the back of his mind, which I felt like he did last week against the Giants. I felt like when he did run, or turn, like he was, he was, you know, cognizant of his right arm and his right shoulder and not lowering that for people to hit. I remember one run down the left side where he kind of like turned his back and like kind of tried to spin and take the shot that way so the shoulder didn't have to take the blow. But he looked good throwing the football. And that's where, I mean, that's where this game's awesome. We don't have anything to look at from earlier this year. And they played last year in 2021, but it was early in the year. 
And the Eagles were not this offense yet. They were still doing the round peg into the you know square hole with with Hertz trying to run a drop back pass offense, and that didn't work. So they went to this run and read option and all of that stuff, and and they're the best in football at it. They pose problems, but this is probably going to be the team that's going to be best in all of football as far as equipped to stop it, and that's where it's going to be interesting too. The 49ers and the Titans were by far, like not even close to the rest of the league as far as their ability to stop the run this year. I mean, it's like the Titans and the 49ers, and then the rest of the league is like 30 yards down the, the, the hole almost in the run game. So that's where they're special. And because of like you said, Mike, they got big people up front, so I don't think they're going to have to be totally compromised always to go, hey, we got to get more people in the box. And then they got two linebackers that – I, it's the best duo linebackers in football and Dre Greenlaw and, and Fred Warner. I mean, you could make a case in, in my book that they're both first-team all-pro linebackers. Um, so that's the interesting part, Mike. And, again, you're meeting potatoes. This Philadelphia offense, we've seen them run on everybody. And, and they can run, and they don't even care what the look is. Do you think they're going to be able to consistently run on this 49ers defense? I really don't know. What do you think? I, <laughs> I know. Look – I struggle with this game because yeah. I've been saying for weeks now the 49ers are the best team in football, and as long as they keep their key players healthy, they are the ones going to the Super Bowl. But then came Saturday night where the G-Men <laughs> got blasted by the Eagles 38-7. to So I'm looking at the Eagles now saying, oh, they've kind of rediscovered their mojo here. They're kind of getting it back, and... You know, just like we were fooled into thinking the Giants were better than they are because of the quality of their opponent in the wild card round. Yeah. I don't want to get fooled into thinking the Eagles are better than they are because of the quality of their opponent in the divisional round. That's my concern. I feel like I feel like we're overlooking the fact that the 49ers – I think back to that last play <laughs> from the Cowboys game – the the uh, as as we've pointed out the Indiana Jones moment where the guy oh, the big wind up and then it's just uh, out comes the pistol and down goes the guy with the sword the 49ers have that suddenness they've got that physicality they've got that thing that quality that teams just don't see anymore the Eagles haven't seen it this year as you said it was week two of 2021 that's the last time the Eagles have seen the 49ers 49ers are much different team since then the Eagles are much different team yeah since that's then, what's too. interesting I know but, right. Uh, the, 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 uh, I don't know. You know, I hate the idea of picking both road teams. But, man, how do you – I spent all week thinking, oh, if the Eagles – if they, what the Eagles are going to do to the 49ers, you know, not what they did to the Giants, but, man, the Eagles are going to be pretty damn – I just – this 49ers defense scares the hell out of me, Chris. Well, yeah, the Eagles aren't going to do to the 49ers what they did to I the Giants. Know. You know, that, that's, that, that, that won't right. happen. I mean, you're, you're right about that. I mean – yeah, the, the the Giants, they did it with smoke and mirrors the whole year, as we discussed. I think we, we were pretty clear about week 10 of the year where we said there's three teams in the NFC that stand above the rest. The 49ers, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. That's what we thought all along. That's what it looks like. And the only thing I'll say to you, Mike, is don't fall in the trap of thinking about the Eagles the last few weeks of the year when they had nothing to play for and Jalen Hurts was not 100%. You know, don't Don't forget that they weren't. There wasn't a great motivation or a poker by their butt at that moment. I think you saw them, you know, what their true potential is on Saturday night. And, I, I you know, they're one of the only teams I look at in football uh, that, that can handle the physicality of the 49ers and stand with them toe-to-toe. Now, I mean, again, man, this Eagles offensive line, what, I haven't seen anybody push them back all year long. That's where I can't wait to see this. And then here's the other thing, Mike. You know, the 49ers are not great man-to-man team. They don't want to play man-to-man. And they don't got anybody that can play man-to-man against these two guys on the outside. So that that poses some problems. The 49ers like to play zones like we talked about. They like to play their nickel back where, hey, I'm not really covering the slot receiver. I'm out here making it look like I'm covering them, but I'm ready to fill and help in the run game. So that's where I feel like A.J. Breen, uh, Brown, wide receiver screens, Devontae Smith, all that stuff's going to come into play because they're going to go, wait, wait, you can't, you're not allowed to cheat, nickel guy. Get out there. There's some aspect of that. And then, of course, the defending of the quarterback run game from Philadelphia is the biggest thing I look at. 
because if you can't stop that, then it makes you play all these defenses that are just like horrible pass defenses. And then Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown and Goddard and Devontae Smith are going to tear you apart in the passing game. So that's, to me, the part I look at. Can the 49ers, when the Eagles are in shotgun, can their six guys in the box, four down linemen, the two backers we talked about, can they handle all the things the Eagles do in the run game and slow that down? If they can, then we're going to be in a dogfight, and this game will be really close and whatever else. But if the dam breaks and they don't have answers for it, I don't know if they'll ever slow down the Eagles, and that's going to be one of the key elements of the football game. Before we pivot to the 49ers on offense, right. Eagles on defense, I have an important comment to make. Unlike others in this business who will periodically make mistakes and then act like they never did and or double down and justify and come up with some crazy-ass explanation for their mistake, for some reason, and I will freely admit, my head was inserted in my bunghole. The Bengals-Chiefs game is the late game. I yeah. don't know why I thought it was the early game. I don't know why I thought that. I thought that's I, what but you it's said. The late game. Honestly, I, did I say it was a late game? Yeah, you. Ca- I thought it was the early game. Yeah, I don't know. I, no, I, I, don't know. I thought you said. Well, I now I'm, know it's the late game. Oh, okay. I didn't even know you said it, so don't worry. I think you were good. I thought you were saying, you know, maybe the Niners Eagles game should be the late game. I thought that's kind of what you said. You know, that, that's no. yeah. No, okay. I was I was I was under the false impression created by my own impaired brain that it was Bengals Chiefs early and 49ers Eagles late. I want Bengals Chiefs late. We're getting Bengals Chiefs late. All right, and good. last year it was Bengals Chiefs in daylight. That's how you differentiate yeah. these two games. Your yeah. memory of the AFC and NFC, daylight versus dark. And it was daylight when the Bengals and Chiefs played. So Way to go. Way to self-scout thyself, and that's right. We keep it real but, here but, at PFT. But let me tell you, let me tell you, if I spent appropriate time apologizing for my stupidity, that's all I would be doing. Okay. Oh, when the wait, wait, hold on. One more thing. Ball. One more thing. One more thing. Let's, let's just hit on one right. more thing with that read option, all right? Because this, is, I think, is a, an interesting thing, too. Right. You remember when like the Eagles played the Cowboys, like one of the big things was they they basically like made Micah Parsons decide on the read option and all that. Right. I think it's another key element of the matchup where that like Collinsworth and Tariqo were talking about, like, look, they're actually not blocking Micah Parsons. That's what they've decided to do to kind of attack him. Right. The. And the 49ers play it a little different way. You know, it's because I had some people, you know, yesterday over the last few days go, well, you think they'll do the Nick Bosa, what they'll do, what they did to Michael Parsons. Well, when you watch the Niners and when they've had to play defenses like this, they don't do that. So they'll play a four down front, Mike, and they'll just tell Bosa to go run and get the, get the running back no matter what. So then that's going to leave Jalen Hurts to keep the ball, right? Because he's going to watch the defense end crash down. But this is where the 49ers linebackers are special and they come into play in this matchup. Now because Bosa is running there and that backer who had maybe the gap between the guard and the center, well, Bosa's there to kind of make that tackle. He comes around the edge, you know, in a way where, hey, I'm here and I'm squared up for the quarterback. And they've been very good at defending these type of things because of the athletic ability of the defense end and two linebackers. I'm sorry, I just wanted to point that out because I think it's kind of a cool aspect to watch you know, on Sunday to see if the 49ers can defend that element of the Eagles' offense. Oh, that's the thing. The 49ers have seen nothing – or the Eagles, excuse me, have seen nothing like the 49ers' defense all year. What we're going to do is take a break. The 49ers' offense versus the Eagles' defense gets its own segment. We'll discuss that aspect of the NFC Championship, the early game, on Sunday when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 